Hello and welcome to Breaking Late. I'm your host, Michael, and joining me for this special episode is Hannah. How are you, Hannah? Howdy from Isolation Land. That's good. And we also have Chris Smith from Big Esports. Um, welcome to the show, Chris. Thank you very much for joining us. No worries, um, man. It's a very interesting time in motorsport land for us where we can't do anything. Um, and a lot of our listeners are now sort of asking the question of what is this esports that we're sort of pushed all our drivers into and we're going to be running a big series. Um, and so we thought we'd reach out and she seemed to be a good person to talk to. So can you give us a, a brief background on your involvement in esports and what is big esports? Yeah, no worries at all, man. So for for you know the motorsport industry, it's really interesting for me to see like how many how many different motorsports are jumping on the esports bandwagon. You know, recently compared to any other sport, you've seen showings all around the world from you know IndyCar, NASCAR, Formula One, the the ARC here in Australia, I believe you know MotoGP, and much more quickly than anyone else has as well. You know, there's there's been some recent announcements of the NBA doing some stuff, but pretty casual. But the motorsport guys, not only are they in it in a bigger way and faster, but also much more serious. We've got things like the supercars, which is literally every real life driver is playing mm-hmm. in the in the esports version of supercars. But for me to give a bit of an introduction, you know, I've kind of sat on all six sides of the fence within the gaming and esports market that I say. So if you were to run an esports event, I've been there as the player. I've been there as the commentator, as the sponsor, as the VIP, as the journalist, a little bit of everything. You know, I, I started off playing games in, in uh, top-level competition across three different first-person shooter titles in Australia. Um, I was a commentator for a period of time. Um, that allowed me to get some contacts and to run a $30,000 Counter-Strike tournament back in 2010. Um, which start off as a shambles, and that's why I was brought on board um, to run a tournament. Thankfully, I won over the the company I ran that for. They offered me a job. So I moved up from Tassie, where I grew up, up to Victoria and, and worked for them for four years doing PR and marketing. Um, I became a journalist for a year and a half, got headhunted back into the PR and marketing space to work with another components company called Corsair to be their first employee in Australia, um, managed one of Australia's first professional gamers back in the day, like around 2012 kind of time, who's now a commentator and such. And yeah, done done a little bit of everything. And for me, that was personally and professionally not understanding where I wanted to fit in the market. Every time I mm-hmm. chose one thing, I thought, yeah, this is where I want to sit. You know, I was a player for a long time and it was like, yes, I want to be the best player in the world. This is awesome. I love this. Um, I became a commentator. Like, yes, I want to be the most famous commentator in the world, go to all the big tournaments overseas. And, you know, then went into PR and marketing and went, well, I can actually make some money now. Um, at that stage, you know, I was a community manager. So it's often a code word for underpaid marketing manager. So I was not earning <laughs> a lot of money at all, but more than when I was an IT trainee, that's for sure. Um, and, you know, wanted to do that for a while, um, you know, so kind of bounced around between those different positions. And and after, I don't know, six, seven, eight years, um, it, it for me, it, it kind of became the realization I want to work on the industry instead of in the industry. So for Big Esports, my company, where we sit today, we work uh, a lot across the esports and the gaming market. So to explain the difference or the, the section between the two is like mm-hmm. sport versus a leisure activity is gaming versus esports. So if you're just kicking a footy down at the beach with your mates, that's not really sport. You're not really playing in a sport. That's just a bit of a leisure activity. You're having a bit of fun. The same yep. way that if you're playing Candy Crush on your mobile or, or you know, you've got a, a cousin that's playing uh, Fortnite on the iPad or you're just playing a casual game, um, say Forza on the PlayStation with a couple of mates around and a few beers, that's not esports. That's just gaming. You know, while you might have a bit of banter, while you might be with some other people, the same way that just kicking a footy isn't sport. But if you're like me and, you know, for many years in the past, I played mixed uh, social volleyball on a Wednesday, Thursday night, that's a sport yep. because we've all got jerseys we paid 20 bucks for. We all pay $5 entry fee per game. We have a bit of a hit and there's an aim to win against another team on the other side of the court. And we might not really be winning anything. You know, you might be winning a trophy or a can of Coke or something like that at best, but that's still structured. So the same with esports. So... The way a lot of people started esports like I did was in a tournament called Cyber Game Open, which was, you know, like 64 Counter-Strike teams and you could just challenge anyone. 
you could challenge mm-hmm. like the number three person. If you beat them, you became number three. Sometimes they were locked off a little bit, so you can only charge, you know, eight spots up at most or something like that. And, you know, there was no entry fee to get in there. It was free to sign up completely onto the website. But, hey, it's still still kind of esports because you've got a structured team. You have to turn up at exact time to play a certain map against another team, and the aim is to win and to knock them off the ladder or, or beat them, you know, all the way up to the professional, you know, sport where it sits today. And for us with big esports, we started off, I think naively purely in the esports space, which a lot of, especially at that stage, 2018, was selling a product to people who didn't want understand and didn't want to buy. You know, we would go to, imagine we went to Coca-Cola and we're like, hey guys, I know you've never heard of esports, but you need to pay us money to investigate for you how you should enter esports. <laughs> so you can mm-hmm. see where the problems come from there straight yep. away. And we realized quickly that, hey, we actually should focus more on the wider gaming market. Um, and to explain the size and the difference between those as well, Gaming in Australia alone, from what I understand, is about a two to three billion dollar business. Esports globally is a one billion dollar business. Globally, gaming is bigger than movies and music combined. So, if you're looking at that, gaming, it's like gaming is esports, but esports is gaming. You know, there's there's yeah. depending on how you want to explain it. I don't even know if I got that terminology right, but it can be a bit confusing, and the lines can be really blurred because if you're doing squats at the gym to kick a footy further, are you participating in sport? Is it a leisure activity? Is it personal development? What is it? So the same way that if you're, you know, playing uh, CSGO by yourself online and your aim is to become a professional player, are you participating in esports at that time because you're training by yourself? You're not playing in a tournament? It's really hard to say. You know, Ninja, which is the streamer that most people know because he's the guy with the blue hair that all of the, you know, that got a lot of people into Fortnite. You know, he was at at um, Times Square, New York City during the 2019 to 2020 New Year. So, you know, massive things. Or was it 18 to 19? I can't remember. Anyway, you know, he... Is it's often a thing you see in the traditional news is, you know, Ninja the esports athlete. Well, yeah, kinda, because his goal isn't really to be a pro player. He's an entertainer. But yes, he does yeah, play yeah. in some tournaments, and sometimes he gets paid to play in these tournaments, and sometimes he'll place in the top ten. But it's not his goal to be a pro guy. He's more of a, you know, he's he's more of a enthusiast. He's I guess it's even some part like if you went on, you know, is who wants to be a millionaire? Is that a sport? You could probably argue that you know, potentially could be. You can be better than someone else at that. You could train to go on it. So the lines can be really blurred. But for us right now, you know, we do a lot of influencer campaigns. We're working with the Australian Computer Society at the moment, which is partly in gaming. We're working with a UFC fighter and we're working with a few um, gaming talent as well about some gaming, some not gaming, helping people to provide them with cool things they can do over Easter. We're working with one of the creators who's been playing a lot of games with their dad recently talking about how you can link up and do some cool stuff with your dad, play some games with him, maybe stream on Twitch together, something like that too. So we're kind of, you know, floating floating across both of those. For us as a business too, we looked at our revenue and went, where's a lot of it coming in? Without even trying, it was from influencers. So it makes perfect sense for us to do that and it allows us to, you know, gain more contact into the industry and, and to do some more awesome work. We're still doing some consulting. We're still working on some cool stuff upcoming, but obviously with the whole coronavirus stuff as well, you know, Things have changed a little bit. Some of our business areas have gone up because, yep. you know, a lot of the online and influencer work we're doing, we're working with one particular sport at the moment about rolling out an esports um, thing for them to do too. Some have gone down. You know, we're planning a massive event in Europe um, with a with a third party, which has obviously been postponed or cancelled. We're planning a big event mm-hmm. in Australia, um, you know, a two to 5,000 ticketed event that also has to be, you know, postponed or cancelled because it's, you know, we're even working with with the people that are touring Shaquille O'Neal here in June. But talking to them, it's like, well, is that still happening? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, Who knows? Yeah. You can't say yes, you can't say no. So a lot of it with like our planning was like, well, let's just not plan because we don't want to spend so many, you know, people hours of planning everything for it simply to maybe or maybe not, you know, go ahead. So now is the time for us to double down on content, to double down on influences and to rethink some of our strategy. And we're not... You know, we're lucky in the fact that, you know, myself and my business aren't struggling. Like we can still operate perfectly fine. We, mm-hmm. we don't have any troubles, you know, paying our bills or rent or anything like that. So this is going to provide a bit of time of, of clarity, like for us to sit back and say, A, how can we help other people, which we're trying to do with like our online course and such, but B, you know, how can we rethink what we're doing? For sure. And just quickly to jump on something you said as well to make the connection for some of our listeners. I guess the part, the point rather that you made about trying to sell something to people who don't understand what it is and aren't really interested because they don't understand. I guess part of the reason that we decided to invite you in today was to help 
maybe make our readers, sorry, our listeners make that connection for this upcoming e-series, particularly in supercars with a lot of the fan base being very traditional, physical sport sort of participants and viewers. Why should they give a crap about this upcoming e-series and, and what does it actually mean for them as a fan? Um, but before that, shall we say hi to our late edition? Hello. Yes. <laughs> JD has just joined us. So welcome to the show, JD. Thank you. <laughs> Time zones. They're a hell of a thing, aren't they? <laughs> Chris, we usually operate between three different time zones, just for your knowledge. So Yeah, right. It's, yeah, it's always been a bit of a fun task to schedule these kind of things in. But no, that's an awesome background that you're able to give us. Thank you. And to join yeah, us no as right. well with your level of experience is totally awesome. Um, I guess you've kind of touched on quickly that COVID has already affected a bulk of your work in different ways, whether that be up or down. Um, mm. For us, obviously, motorsport, the impact's been huge. Like, mm-hmm. you can't even put a dollar figure on it. I think OzGP was very well uh, documented about how that whole thing went down and seemed to really be sort of the trigger to the rest of the dominoes falling over for what's probably predicted at this stage to be most of the season for both F1 and supercars i mean do you follow motorsport have you had much experience with any of those sort of codes in the past yeah a little bit yeah we've done a little bit of work behind the scenes with uh with the f1 and, and obviously supercars has been um super you know into esports for a long time you know i'm bringing on mm-hmm. someone you know hopefully next week on twillington live to chat about it a bit as well because i've taken you know gaming quite seriously you know for the past couple of years now Yeah, for sure. I mean, they used to have, um, well, what platforms was the V8 Supercars game on, Michael? Was that just PC? Uh, the one they had last year, they ran on iRacing. Before that, I believe they ran on Forza. Forza, yeah, for I a mean, long they, time and PlayStation oh, before that. PlayStation, sorry, my bad. Yeah, so I mean, I think gaming and, and motorsport yeah. for a long time have kind of sat hand in hand with a similar crossover in fan base, but probably not all. Um, I mean, mm. we are talking about a sport that's got a really long sort of traditional fan base. There's a lot of, of tribalism and rivalries and, and characters that really drive the narratives around that sport. We are in a weird place, I guess, in the landscape for the sport itself right now that we have this looming broadcast deal, um, which when was last done, faced a lot of backlash from fans as we largely moved to this pay TV base. Um, and now we have all this uncertainty around COVID. I think they're really hanging on to the E-Series being a bit more of a, a sort of value add for the fans to help seal that deal in future. Um, mm. Yeah, what do you, I mean, what are your thoughts on that being such an important piece of the puzzle in this moment in time for them? I guess you could probably only comment as an outside party, but, mm. you know, has it got the ability think- to really sort of seal that deal or...? I mean, it's similar to how most video game developers operate their esports vertical, which is like a loss leader and it's a content generator. You know, I think it's it seems quite clear that, um, you know, most of these esports verticals for companies like Riot Games and such don't generate a direct profit off them, but it's it's marketing and a, and a way for people to be drawn into, you know, their company. I guess it'd be very similar as to why Mercedes or Ford might have a supercar themselves. You know, I don't think that they expect that they're going to be able to make a profit directly off that but they do know you know i remember talking to someone who works at Peders years ago and you know their statistics were that if someone's going to buy new shockies they're going to ask the person who's a motor racing fan so they're not necessarily mm-hmm. going to be able to draw a direct profit off direct you know supercars watchers who are looking at the Peders cargo around the track but they're going to be able to draw it out of their uncles and aunties and and cousins and brothers and sisters who ask them for you know hey i've got to get some new shock absorbers or some new suspension who should i go for and they go well i watched the pedas car that makes perfect sense for them to do that so that that makes sense to me and yeah you're right in the fact of you know offering offering that extra content and that's a lot of our discussion with the um with the current um, sports that we're talking to at the moment as well is you can't just do nothing for six months like you got to do mm-hmm. something and sure. you know there's some data that's been brought out by gemba um, an agency talking about how um, people are spending their time at the moment. A lot of people are re-watching um, old matches in the AFL, for example, that are happening. You know, a lot of people are looking out for this social online content. So what's a cool way and fairly cost-effective way that you can do stuff? Maybe um, the stay-at-home GP. Like that that was a pretty cool concept. That was MotoGP on console. There was no special rig set up at all. It was just everyone playing with controllers, but it was real drivers just with a very simple webcam and they're sitting on the couch playing and there was one commentator 
and they were just commentating, I think it was a single game or, or a single round of, of them playing. Um, and that was super simple, super easy and cost effective to set up. It doesn't cost much to pay for a consultant to do that. It doesn't cost much for anything else. You know, one sport that we have been talking to, which is a smaller sport, has just said, well, we're going to have to post a $200,000 loss because of some operating costs we had to take on due to these shutdowns. So, you know, if you're able to work with a consultancy company to spin up a, a cool esports thing or a cool gaming thing that's cost effective for you, that costs 20K, that costs 30K, which is very realistic, that's 10%. Of, of that kind of cost and understanding that it's hard because also you're asking people to spend more money when they're trying to save more money, but it's the whole, mm-hmm. you know, if, you know, you could, the AFL could save money by not buying Marvel stadium. The AFL could save money by not having paying any sponsor agents. They could save money by only having two teams that play against each other, you know, that kind of stuff too. So, you know, you still need to have some sort of operation and while the, you know, the profits may not directly be there, like, you know, with the Pedders car or, like with anything else, you know, the AFL doesn't make direct profit off everything they ever do, but there's a long-term vision in there. Think about it like uh, I had this discussion on LinkedIn Live yesterday. was like when does a company hit that stride when they can start doing the for the future marketing? When can they do the Red Bull can in hand and not worry as much about what's the direct exposure and the direct sales I'm going to get exactly from this campaign? Like you would if you're an e-tailer, like you would if you're a um, startup company who knows that hey i've got to spend a million and i've got to get back a million too otherwise Mm -hmm. you know this is not going to work for me but instead can you be like red bull and say what does this mean for our vision does this fit our company vision what does this mean for you know a standing within the market can we get um a red bull directly on the you know felix guy that jumped out of basically space you know it's hard to it would be hard to measure i think that exact campaign to be like okay the second he jumped off into space how many more cans did we sell Directly based off yeah. that, like it's pretty hard, but you know, can you hit that stride? So, yeah, and the other thing you were saying too, Hannah, that was interesting to me is like, from my knowledge, you know, I spent a little bit of time around drag racing and got some friends that helped to organize that too. That is the oh, most yeah. un technology sport ever. You know, every time you go to a drag racing thing, you can barely find the info online. It's barely on Facebook. You can never buy tickets online. It's always cash in hand at the entrance. You know, it's always mm-hmm. this. It's been the same ever since I was a kid. Um, you know, it's just the announcer over the PA, and you can buy the pies. You know, you can buy party pies and sausage rolls and, and chips and a hot dog and that kind of stuff. And that's been my experience with a lot of motorsport too. Like it's very untechnical in a lot of it. So it's been really interesting to me that a sport that I've seen as as untechnical versus say the AFL, which seems to be quite technical has really just gone balls to the wall, like into esports. You know, we haven't seen any, like since this COVID stuff's happened, we haven't seen anything from the NRL. We haven't seen anything for the AFL. Um, the NBL's already been doing a little bit of stuff in the space, but their season's kind of over. Um, there's a bit of controversy around that. Um, but we've seen just motorsport go ham, you know, in, in Australia. We've seen a lot of the drivers do already have rigs set up. I think actually talking dollars, Michael, you were saying before Bryce's rig is worth what a oh, sweet, sweet little chunk. He's got of one of the motion ones that's ah. on rails that moves up and down with VR. You got Scott McLaughlin's rig that's twenty five grand, and then I was laughing that Davy Reynolds has got the same thing that I got that's six hundred and fifty bucks. <laughs> like, but I think one of the good things about <laughs> like moving yeah. from like motorsport going into esports is. The skills are a lot more transferable. You've mm-hmm. got like iRacing, which I mean, we're both JD and I are doing. There's a Northern Territory Motorsport iRacing series coming up that we're both participating in. Um, we can sit there, we drive, and then it's pretty much the same as when you get in the car and actually drive. Where you know AFL, you could get AFL Evolution on and try and stream it, but I don't know how the AFL players' skills are going to correlate that well into it, and how interesting mm-hmm. that would be to have watched a bunch of AFL yeah, players a, try and play that game. That's a good point from the content I've done. You know, there was the world's fastest gamer that happened in the US, one by a, a guy I've had on the podcast before, James Baldwin from the UK, mm-hmm. and that was a mixture of sim racing and real-life racing. But he'd, he'd done selectively, you know, sweet FA real-life racing before. It was primarily sim racing for him. And he won a million-dollar real racing contract for a McLaren. Um, and I can't remember what series that was in, but, you know, still a million dollar US racing contract off that. Yeah, there yeah. was other other examples of, I think it was him again or someone else from Veloci, his esports team beat a prior F1 driver and current Formula E champion in a real life driving race as well. Yeah, in the um, race of the um, race of champions. 
Yeah, there you go. So there definitely is that. And and like you were saying, you know, the AFL game, I don't think there's too many applicable skills across because a lot of it's about how you kick the ball in the field. When you can get the field mm-hmm. through force feedback on a wheel, obviously, um, and you can at least do a lot of that, you know, visualization of the track and understanding. And the tracks are very one-to-one, you know, one pixel to one centimeter kind of thing too compared to what they are in real life. So it makes sense to me. Um, whereas, you know, you don't necessarily get that in gaming. My... Um, feedback i've gotten from the baseball game is it's quite good you can learn some stuff from mm-hmm. it and also the ufc one was pretty funny max holloway the kind of known as as the i think it's known as like the greatest featherweight of all time recently lost the belt to an aussie a sydney cider called um alex volkanovsky but he went on the joe rogan podcast and said during like his first i don't know three or four fights in the ufc he'd never had a striking coach ever he played the UFC game, would do a combo in it, and then would get his mate to hold pads who didn't even know how to hold like mitts properly either <laughs> and would just try to do those combos and be like, well, is, is this combo works in that? And man, and he, he literally is like, you know, the greatest featherweight of all time arguably, in, the, in the UFC, in MMA as a whole. So sometimes video games can work. I, I wouldn't say that um, I was in Air Force cadets for six years and I shot, a, I shot a rifle a few times. I could not say that my rifle skills are anything to do with my Battlefield 2 skills. They're not transferable whatsoever, <laughs> because, partly because I was a good player, but I'm a really crap shot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're pretty lucky for motorsport, though, that even though it's got elements of a team sport, that it's largely, I guess, individualistic in the sense that you can have a one-player kind of scenario being involved in like a tournament or a race. AFL definitely sort of no chance to really play on a team level, I don't think. Um, mm. and yeah, again, the transferable skills are probably limited, right? Yeah, yeah, besides some basic strategy and stuff. And like you said, two very similar in, you know, the first uh, competitive game I played was Battlefield 2, which traditionally is played 16v16. And that's why oh. it was never going to be a big eSport. It's just impossible mm-hmm. because then you've really got like a, you've really got like a roster of like 40 plus people because, you know, no one's pro, everyone's, a lot of people have kids, you know, they're tradies or whatever. Mm-hmm. So you're just kind of like, oh, I just hope, that's, hope that at least 20 people turn up four people's internet connection will probably drop out. You might end up with 16 <laughs> in the batch by the end what? of it and a couple of people sitting in reserve. Yeah, one sure. driver I think that's done a really good transition into esports and stuff is Lando Norris. Mm. He's done fantastic since since this coronavirus, and even before that, his streams that he does on Twitch with Max Verstappen are great. And have you seen that he now has to shave his head? I did what? see. Yeah, twelve thousand likes. He raised twelve thousand dollars or something on yeah. Twitch, and so now he's shaving his head on like tomorrow or something. Yeah, you're kidding. But he was today. He oh, was been playing England. Yeah, he's playing like Rocket League. He's playing everything on Twitch. It's, I think he's mm. doing a really good job, and he's got because he's got such a good personality. People want mm. to connect with that. I think that comes down to the influencer side of things, where it's really going to grow when we're all sort of starved for our normal sports that we'd normally be watching on our Friday, Saturday. Obviously, footy and everything's played all all days of the week these days. But um, we're we're starved for that entertainment of the fresh sport, and we're now we've got all these people out there creating all this new entertainment. Um, it's it's really cool to see that people are getting really involved that maybe wouldn't have got involved six months ago. So obviously your industry, Chris, is exploding right now uh, with mm. everyone that wants to be in the in this spot, um, and it, it's good to see. Yeah, for sure. And it's not it's not easy to stream. You know, it's so different. We've worked with, um, you know, we had Shane Warne playing Fortnite once on a, on a stream, and you know, we worked with a bunch <laughs> of Instagrammers and stuff as well. And, you know, the Instagrammers who had to turn themselves into a content creator and a streamer, I think they saw how hard it is. Like, it's very different. You know, you can't just post. Because, like, I think one part of one advantage of being an Instagrammer that makes things kind of easy is that as long as you have a good schedule and you're living an interesting life, you're documenting what you're doing all the time. So you don't need to go out of your way to create a lot of your content because you're creating a selfie content of something you're already doing. So you just need to be able to keep up that motivation, which can be hard sometimes to keep doing that stuff. But, you know, if you're a makeup artist on on YouTube and, and on Instagram, you're getting really your bang for the buck out of that. But if you're a gaming content creator, a lot of the time it's about playing a game for five hours and then sitting down and finding the funny moments of that, cutting it up, sending it to an editor for them to edit or doing it yourself. Um, or you need to be live and online on Twitch. And, it, mm-hmm. and you need to be live and online the same time, the same place, within the same schedule. And that can make things hard too when you know people aren't used to having to do that they're used to turning up to select um, meetings and waking up and doing things at certain times but they're not used to being like 
you know, I have to go live. It's 8 p.m. It's like the same if you turn on the news and it's not there at 6 o'clock. You're like, well, what the hell? Where's the news? Like, yeah, yeah so yep. it's interesting for people to get used to that and watching them. And it's not easy to stream too, like reading comments while you're engaging, while you're being funny, entertaining, and also trying to be good at the same time. That can be really hard. So, yeah, you're right. He's done a fantastic job. It, there's definitely different it's levels to it as well because, like, one of my workers that works for me, he's heavily into watching Fortnite and Apex and all that uh, first-person shooter stuff that's sort of going crazy at the moment. And you look at some yeah. of the people he watches on his streams, he watches nearly purely because of their skill level. Um, that might not because they're seriously funny or whatnot. And then he'll watch other uh, content makers uh, like Dr. Disrespect, etc who are really, they're obviously very good players as well, but they're there because they're almost comedians that can play the game really well as well. Like They're just entertainers in the yeah. end of the day. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I, I shared a, an article, I think it was from Global Web Index in the past, if anyone's a real nerd like me and wants to look it up, but it was the, the motivations as to why different age demographics consume different content on social media So it were, and different countries as well. So it was like why what's the main reason for millennials in America using social media? A lot of it was to uh, learn and to be entertained. Whereas, and I can't remember all the top of my head, but China, there was kind of like a ranking from one to five. China's one was a bit different. I think it was more about entertainment, where America and a lot of the West was more about learning how to do something better. And I thought that was that was fairly interesting. And you're right, like, you know, usually it's the people who are a bit of a combination. Like Ninja's not crappy at the game at all. He's definitely still top you know, top five, top 10%, but he's not top one, but he's so much more interesting to watch. And unless you've got a very specific game like Dota 2, which I play a lot these days, which is a very high skill ceiling, but also very high entry. It's, you know, I, it took me years to get into that game because it was simply too hard to learn. That's Dota 2 is the only, is one of the only games really where you can get people who are amazingly good, but not engaging whatsoever to actually have people watching them. Like there's a guy who's a bit of a meme called Artezi who doesn't stream with a camera. He basically doesn't talk to his chat at all either, but a lot of people watch him because he's an amazing player. He's won world championships in the past. And when he does talk to the chat, it's hilarious. And people love to make fun of him because it's easy and and because he's funny. And he puts on it himself, I think, a lot of the time on purpose to do that kind of stuff too. But, you know, it doesn't happen very often in many games. No matter how good you are, you still need to be engaging with that. And it's the opposite compared to what a traditional sports person or a traditional movie star is like what made Hugh Jackman so awesome is because you know he's only once a year he's on your screen maybe once every two years if you're lucky and then he goes off into his mansion in the hills you never hear from him again maybe he makes one Instagram post every nine months and you know he's doing something cool but now it's the opposite it's like they want to see you posting six stories a day on Instagram they want to see three tweets a day they want to see you live on Twitch four days a week for three hours they want to see it in, they want to see a wrap-up video on YouTube once a week of a cool vlog or or wrap-ups of your stream like things like that too so you've like always got to be on like non-stop mm. it will it's be- interesting you like the motorsport fanship I think our calendar as as fans we are very used to the calendar being quite spaced out and that's I guess for a number of reasons sort of venues teams being interstate that kind of thing and now we're coming into this e-series where we're actually looking forward to weekly content which will be pretty new for us as as a fan base you know we've been through I guess different waves of levels of content in more recent years particularly with the pay tv deal um we did have a weekly panel show at one point, which was dropped by Fox shortly afterwards. Um, but yeah, like in an era where fans are screaming for constant content, like you said, I think motorsport has been quite slow to adopt that in general. Unfortunately, supercars and Australian motorsport, probably a little slower than the general world again. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm personally super looking forward to seeing that every you know Friday or Saturday night and going, here's my time to tune in. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty true. I guess esports has the opposite problem. In a game like CSGO where there's no structured league made by the developer, there's been too much content a lot of the time. Like in the past, even in Australia, there was five leagues operating at once. There was like the ACA Mountain Dew League. There was a Cyber Gamer Online League, the ESL AUNZ Online League. There was a qualifiers for the Zowie BenQ finals in, you know, I think it was the finals in Malaysia, somewhere in Southeast Asia or the Philippines, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So it was like five leagues happening at once and there was just too much content. And I, <laughs> I realized, I, I saw this on Reddit. I didn't realize till I till I read it on Reddit. There was, I've been a fan of, of the UFC for a little bit in MMA and, you know, someone saying, I didn't realize how much it took for advantage having UFC on basically every weekend. And I found out that too. That's like, I want content right now. And I've seen, you know, my girlfriend's brother post some funny Snapchats about that too. 
he's like, man, I'm just going into withdrawals because there's no AFL. And he's just listening to like the AFL, um, the songs that each of the teams have, even the ones he don't follow. Because <laughs> he's listening to it, laying on the couch, listening to it. He's like having withdrawals without having that content there. Because he's a cricket fan as well. So cricket's over and now there's nothing to, mm. to back that up with the AFL. And nothing that's, to fill the void. <laughs> yeah. And that's part of what it is too. It's like, Yes, the stay-at-home GP was amateur as far as esports goes. You know, they were just playing on the couch on consoles. Um, you know, who knows if they, some of them had ever even played that game before. Who knows? Yeah. But at least it was something. It was some content. It was real. Mm-hmm. It was real writers playing a game on a stream, and they were having fun. They were smiling. They were laughing. Someone won out of it. You know, there's an NBA tournament coming up, which is NBA players that are, that are playing. And I think Kevin Durant seated number one, and the first place prize is 100k to a charity that they choose. Like, yes, yeah. it's the game. Yes, it's not real life. You know, it's not even a 1v1 shootout where they have to keep one and a half meters away from each other. But, you know, at least it's something. It's some sort of content for people to watch. For sure. And I guess that with that considered as well, the questions then raised that, especially because it's not necessarily going to be contributing to our championship, speaking from the supercar side of things, running this E-series, I guess what can, I guess, boys, I'm going to throw out to you, like what, what as a fan are we going to expect from this E-series coming up? Like what's... What do you reckon it's going to deliver for those of us who are screaming for this content right now? Michael, you want to go first? Yeah, I think um, as fans, we. I just want to see my drivers drive again. Um, <laughs> but love lost. I think, you know, I'm really looking forward to more of a level playing field, to be honest. I know the iRacing are using a fixed setup, so all the cars are going to be the same, unlike in the current state of like real life driving where you're going to have your Red Bulls and your Penske's that are going to have a much greater uh, engineering set up towards everything and that they're going to have, you know, they've got the latest parts and such and they're going to have the fastest cars. Where in this one here, we're going to have everything as even playing field. It's going to be great. It'll be interesting, but it's definitely going to shine a light on the younger generation that plays it more. Like you're going to have your... Obviously, it's well documented that Davey Reynolds doesn't like simulators and has barely driven a simulator. So it's going to be hard to see him shine on a simulator. Um, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to the banter because I think it'll be a little bit looser um, structured-wise, penalty-wise and stuff like that. It's not going to have as much on the line as a normal race meeting going out there in half a million-dollar car. You know, mm. a lot online takes a lot to get all the crews to every meeting. It's just so much yeah. money pours into this sport. So it is a really serious sport where this can be a little bit sort of backseat. Um, still, they'll take, you know, they're racing drivers. They're going to take it seriously. They can't even go to a high cart track without bashing into each other. Like, probably it's, race into yeah, each other. It's just- there's like a risk in that divide and skill level where you're going to have those guys at the back who are just trying to get go for the biggest crash award as opposed to the guys at the front like your, your Scotties, your SVGs, your Antons and these guys who are really skilled who are going to want to go out there and go hell for leather and then maybe get tangled up in all that mess in the back. Like should there be something on the line? Like should there be some kind of prize for this considering it's not championship-based to make people kind of take it a bit more seriously? Um, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if they pull something out towards the end of it. Supercars are known for like starting something and then going, "Oh shit, hang on, let's we'll actually give a prize or something for that." Yeah, be like the endurance cup sort of thing, like just nowhere near as prestigious. <laughs> yeah, and I, I agree. With that, but it would be trophy. nice to see something that's going to be. It would be interesting to see if after this is all over, say next year, whenever the when whenever we get out of this crisis, whether. Uh, their e-series continues to go further uh, on and on and on like are we going to see a summer e-series in 2021 um in oh. season etc like you know what i mean like it it's something that supercars and formula one could probably learn to get a bit more viewership and and keep bums well not bums on seats but eyes on screens um and, well, even that like Will they let more main game drivers into the E-Series? Because Formula 1's had the E-Series last year. Supercars did, but they had their own E-Series team. Will they want to have their main game drivers join the teams as well? And vice so you've versa. Got like, yeah, because I'll tell you what, I was, I've watched, yesterday I was watching Anton on Twitch, and there was Anton, Scott Pye, and um, uh, Scotty Mack, and they were getting destroyed by Jared Fissel. And he's a proper street. Uh, he's a proper sim racer, and there's a big skill level between sim racer and supercar driver that I think that a lot of drivers are going to find out. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be pretty funny watching, well, as, as I've been learning, I haven't even, I've barely driven on iRacing on the um, road tracks. I've always done dirt, jumping on mm-hmm. the sim uh, over the last couple of nights and trying to learn how to drive a supercar around the hardest track that's probably on <laughs> iRacing or Bathurst. It's been pretty difficult. I'll, I'll tell you, I'm, I'm a good f- four seconds off the pace. <laughs> it's, it's, it's been um, interesting. And I'm sure the supercar drivers are going to have that same sort of thing without you know, most of them have got motion sims and stuff like that, so they're going to have a little bit of a leg up, but not having that bum feel that they normally are used to relying on, etc. It's it's it is going to be fun. Chris, what challenges do you see lying ahead with your experience in predicting like new sports entering the market, or like you know supercars continuing on the E Series, Formula One jumping on, Indy on? Do you think these guys are just going to be doing this while it's that COVID's happening and we can't do it? Or do you think that they're actually going to potentially see a good thing in this and continue rolling it through? Yeah, that's part of my questions for them. And I think the discussions I've had in the past with a lot of the sports is about you don't have to go all in on esports. You can you can just do some stuff. And that was part of my messaging with the stay-at-home GP. You know, it wasn't a full-on esports tournament. It was just a cool activation that was a once-off that was very cheap to pull together for them. You know, they probably just had to contact the developer, get six free copies of the game, you know, at most buy six $500 PS4s and ship them out to people. And then you're pretty much good to go with a graphics package and some basic webcams that they could have shipped out as well, you know, and that's that's just mm. a cool little activation that you could have done. And, you know, that's been a lot of the discussion with the sports we've talked with in, in Australia and overseas, you know, talking with some NBL teams and with Golf Australia, Cricket Australia and a few others as well in the past, that it doesn't have to be a... Um, it doesn't have to be a full-on esports tournament. You don't have to be like the Adelaide Crows or Essendon Bombers and buy an esports team. You don't have to create a full professional esports league with a million-dollar prize pool. Maybe you could just have a cool traveling station that at every single local cricket, T20, etc. event, there's just a come-and-play Fortnite section that just gives kids something to do and you pay a mid-tier influencer to come and activate on with that and you get a couple of the commentators when they're not in the box during a test match to come out and play with the kids in that or play the latest cricket game or, or something like that too. And that's mm. that's what I like to see more of, you know, collegiate NFL games over in the US and things like that too. They've got a ripe audience for that because they've all got different problems to solve, right? Like the average... Um, the average PGA fan in in the US is like a 61-year-old male or something like that. You know? So they've got an aging demographic. So they're wanting to reach So they're 10 years people. older than the average supercar fan. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> and so similar with the average supercar fan too, whereas, you know, so so they want to so, so they want to get a younger audience, right? That's their goal. That's a problem they want to solve. If you're looking at a um, UFC, for example, they don't need to sell tickets. They sell out Madison Square Garden. They sell out in Australia, mm-hmm. but they've got an unlimited pay-per-view they'd like to sell as well as their athletes who aren't at the top make stuff all money. So how can they do more digital? That's what the UFC love. And they how can they do more pay-per-view? So how can you use gaming influencers to do that? Can you have an influencer sitting next to The Rock in the front row next to Dana White? Can you bring along PewDiePie to sit there? Can you bring along Jake Paul? Love him or hate him. He's, he's very popular and people like that yeah, too. Yeah, he gets bums on seats. Yeah. Yeah. So can you bring people I would say on? That that's yep. probably a challenge for supercars in particular at the moment is that bums on seats has been a well-documented issue. That's really just the live event attendance. Um, and I guess, yeah, like how can how can this E-Series kind of help parlay into that goal and, and really start getting some more ticket sales in the physical sense off the back of this? Mm. Yeah, so can you run them side by side? You know, I know. Mm. I saw that with the with the MotoGP. I know, I know that one stage they had a plan. I don't know if it started or if it has. It's obviously on hold now to have a MotoGP esports series that would follow around all of the majors. So when it's on at Phillip Island, there's a it's there, you know, et cetera, et cetera. It's following it around cool. in, in the worldwide circle that it goes through. So it's just asking about what problem they want to solve. You know, the NBL, I think they're growing really well, but maybe they would like alternate revenue streams. That will make sense. That's something that esports can add to them too, or gaming can add to them as well. But it's just the severity of how you get involved. And that's, you know, and that's once again, I think, a misunderstanding of gaming versus esports a lot of the time. That back in 2018, when I first went on my own, every investor wanted to buy an esports team. They all did. They all wanted to buy an esports mm-hmm. team because Adelaide Crows bought one 
the year before that, and the Bombers bought one that year, and everyone's like, well, it makes sense. There's a, there's Manchester United, they're a team, and uh, there's Chiefs Esports Club, they're an esports team. Makes sense, just buy them, and we'll do the same thing. But without realizing that in traditional sports, most teams don't make profit at all, and a lot of them struggle a lot of the time, and they're often owned by a rich person who has them as a, you know, a, as a kind of um, wallet swinging exercise. Um, to keep it PG. And, <laughs> Reminds me of somebody um, we know. Hey, uh, Michael, that hat you're wearing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so, you know, it's about like, it's, it's about that a lot of the time. So just understanding that there's so much more than just running a pro esports tournament. There's so much more than that. Like, can it be a softer integration? Can it be something a little bit more for the kids? And, and what's the goal? Is it bums on seats? Is it alternate revenue stream? Is it more digital views? Is it all of the above? And that kind of denotes like what you do. You know, if you're looking at an alternate revenue stream and you want to put in some serious capital and you really want to make it a, a great, fantastic thing, top of the line, yeah, sure, run a $200,000 esports tournament. Put some good budget behind it, get some pro drivers, you know, E and also real life to, to play in that tournament. Yeah, that's that's one great thing. But if you're just looking to, you know, try to get some more access to the kids, to the Gen Zs, the millennials and get them interested, then maybe maybe influencer interaction is better for you. Maybe a digital campaign online where, you know, I've seen a campaign in the past where Ken Block and another like rally cross driver did some content with two USC fighters, like uh, Mass Vidal, who's huge at the moment, another one. And they, cool. they went first to Masvidal's gym or the other guys. I think it was, I can't remember who the other guy was with them as well. Um, it's an African-American fighter. They went to his gym first and they did some punching techniques, some kicking and stuff. And then, you know, um, Ken Block and the other guy went scared the shit out of them in some gym Gymkhana and went jumping over some jumps <laughs> and, you know, all that kind of stuff too. Like that's some very basic content, but that's crossing of those worlds. So can you do yeah. that with, uh, can you do that with a makeup influencer? Um, you know, those videos always go viral in Teslas where they get old people and unbeknown people and, you know, stick the foot down as fast as you can to make them shocked to get those reactions. Like, can you do that? <laughs> but in a sport concept too, can you do that with the NRL who does some cool stuff with a lifestyle influencer? You know, um, popular videos you see all the time too are like, you know, CrossFit athlete tries the Navy SEAL entrance exam and things like that too. So can you do something like that in, in this concept too? You know, can you do a a you know gamer who is fit and there is quite a few of them versus nrl players in a bench press competition you know i mean click management did that they're an influencer crew um they have the click crew up in sydney and they did a, a fitness competition between all of them because some of them are quite serious about the weights they lift so they did a whole you know who can deadlift the most and who can bench and squat the most and things like that too so can you do that but chuck in an afl player or two can you chuck in a linebacker from the nrl and have have that kind of stuff can we do that in breaking late because i feel like i might win I reckon you will. Have also a crossfitter. Yeah. Ah, there you go. There and you then go. we'll have a drinking comp. Then we'll just do eye racing and you guys can just slay me back. It'll be fine. Fantastic. Uh, uh, oh, good. Yeah. I don't know. You've got to keep the car on the track first. <laughs> Mine acts more one. like a pinball. Surprisingly <laughs> 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 hard, isn't it? Yeah, I, drove a, I went to I went to modem sims and I drove a Zonda once and I was like, oh, this will be all right. I didn't make a single corner. Yeah, <laughs> that's. I'm pretty sure they're the people that made Bryce's um rig. Yeah, okay, it's yeah. like an eight way pneumatic want, rig and you strap yeah, into the yep. thing with the VR goggles, all three monitors yep. in front of your face and. Yeah, it's like yeah, sensory overload. When you first jump in there, I, I my flight or fight response that kind of kicked in. I was like, where the hell am I? That's you what can I want to try. You can feel and like I. It happened when I went to crash into a wall on purpose. I like kind of freaked out a bit. I had to tell my brain like, no, this isn't real. Even though you can tell it's not real, even though the graphics aren't like realistic and stuff, you still feel it because you've got all the sound with headphones on or 7.1 screens. Yeah. You've it's got immersive. You know, VR, you can see around. It's immersive. You're getting jostled. Whenever you take off, you're getting jostled backwards. So while it's not G-force, your still body's getting thrown around like you're mm. on a, you know, like you're on a, um, Roller coaster kind of thing, so yeah, more like a fun. mechanical bull. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, actually. Yeah. I found that one the first time I did VR and I was playing a game and there was a big cliff and I had to like teach myself like just step over the cliff. You're in your lounge room, you're fine, you'll be alright. And like the first time, I did not want to step over that edge. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. Cool. I mean, with um, virtual uh, with uh, zero latency as well. They have this mode mm. where you can PvP and you've got uh, you've got backpacks on, like computer backpacks and guns, and you're running around shooting other people in virtual reality in like this empty warehouse kind of thing. And that happened to me with a ramp. I came up to a ramp and I was like, what do I do? I was like those, you know, those uh, videos of dogs where the owners put socks on them and they're like picking their legs up <laughs> really high. And that was like me. 
I was freaking out. Like I, my brain didn't know how to process it. I got up to a ramp and I was like, well, I can't walk upwards. I'm on flat floor. Like it doesn't, it doesn't compute. So I like kind of shuffled up the ramp and my body kind of went higher in the game. And I was like, Whoa, what's going on here? It's trippy, trippy as hell. <laughs> That's uh, cool. Yeah, VR is good, isn't it? I remember the first time playing it at Michael's house, and there was a it, the graphics in the game were terrible as well. It was a really early VR game, and it, the, there was a table in the VR game, and I wanted to take the headset off, and I went to put the controls in my hands on the VR table that's not actually there. <laughs> I'm like, oh wait, oh, oh, oh. and they had a, this massive thing where I had to like crouch and put them on the ground because I freaked out. <laughs> I'm like, ah, <laughs> I've lost it. <laughs> Are many of our drivers using VR within their setups? I don't know. Yeah, it doesn't look no like prices. it. That's the only one. I think it'll be interesting to see because I'm really hoping that supercars allow a lot more driver interaction during the live streaming. I think if they're going to do this, we need to see cameras on them. They need to be mic'd up. They need to be talking to each other because it makes that for a lot more entertaining than them just sitting at home playing the game. I think that's another thing about the esports, and that's why I find like I didn't think I would actually like watching esports, like well Twitch that much, not so much esports because I'm just watching the drivers practice. Mm. But when you get three drivers in the room and they're all talking, they're giving each other smack. You know, there's a lot of banter going between them. Plus, they're driving really well. It's actually quite entertaining. And I think if we take that away with their e series coming up, you'll be missing an aspect of what makes it good yeah yeah i think esports like that's one of the coolest things about esports in general that we could really capitalize on in this moment is that if you bring in that aspect of it our fans are used to seeing drivers with helmets on you don't even see the person's face it's just a car going around a circuit and we do have some access to radio but only mostly after the event heavily edited with what's allowed to be released and seeing (laughs) some of that sort of uncensored sort of snap reaction in that time could be so cool and help bring some more personalities out to our fans. I mean, Chris, mm-hmm. like you were saying before, like a lot of the, the gamers who are popular for their personalities rather than their skill is like a whole different side of why people watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it adds that extra layer, you know, to, to what's going on. And, you know, it happens in um, happens in League of Legends. They've got this thing they call mic check where they jump across to the teams and listen to them. And, and we used to do that in Battlefield 2 in like, you know, 2008 when I first started there. We'd be in the team's voiceover IP server, like their, their voice chat server, and we would tune in at, at any stage. Be, let's go listen to Team Renegade, which was my team, and you'd hear them calling out, you know, Tank's going to spawn in three minutes, like, you know, Squad 1, go over here, Squad 2, et cetera. And it was a cool line-in to, you know, what that was like. And those kind of videos perform well in Counter-Strike and stuff as well when you can hear, like, what the people are saying. And it, it always makes for some funny compilations as well. People just <laughs> talking about crap, like, when they're paused and they're bored or they're, like, daring people to do stupid things, you know, not being real realistic and things like that too. Like, it's always, it's always good to get a bit of smack talk. There's a there's a league that's been launched um, in Counter-Strike, which is called Flashpoint, which is focusing on that. They want to be a bit more... They want to be a bit more UFC. They want a lot more banter. They don't care if the if the players swear or anything like that. They don't care if the players um, kind of talk at each other because there's some tournaments where you're not allowed to whatsoever, kind of like volleyball, for example, which I played. You can't talk through the net. You basically can't even look at them. Um, you, you can't kind of interact with the other side. You definitely can't touch them. Um, but the Flashpoint League, they, they've been like, you know, we're not PG. You know, we want this to be more banter and that kind of stuff. And, you know, that's heavily promoted in the in the UFC. Like, sure, they don't let each other punch on, but when they're doing the – well, they do in the cage. But when they're, when they're doing the weigh-in, you know, they're in each other's faces. They're telling they're going to, you know, beat the crap out of each other. They're throwing things back yeah. and forth. And the press conference happens in boxing too, that kind of stuff too. So there's it's different encouraged. horses for different courses. Yeah, it's definitely encouraged. And different yeah. horses for different courses, right? And those are the – you know, and that and that brings out those different personalities of fighters. You've got some fighters, say Robert Whitaker, who's a massive gamer in Australia, previous middleweight champion in the world, known as being one of the nicest fighters ever. He refu- straight out refuses to talk smack about people, like at all, besides maybe a funny meme on Instagram every now and then. You've got other people yeah. like uh, Israel Adesanya, who he lost the title to, who's a massive anime fan, who always just says funny anime lines in a lot of yeah. what he does. <laughs> You've got you know other people like Conor McGregor, who brought so much attention to the UFC because of his quick wit and how much shit he can talk, but also back it up, you know, with some good wins and stuff too. So you get to see those personalities, and yeah, maybe that's something that motor racing is missing a lot of the time. It's a bit, little bit more than a burnout after you win, like something more, mm. you know. We do definitely yeah. have a couple of personalities don't we i mean definitely not bulk of the field you know guys like jamie wincup are pretty well noted for being a bit more sort of 
reclusive, maybe for lack of a better word, not really a big fan of the PR despite being the goat in the space. But, you know, guys like Chazzy, you see the memes and stuff he's putting up on Instagram lately in his race suit in his swimming pool in the backyard, you know, <laughs> pulling a Pablo Escobar just for fun. Um, you know, Davey Reynolds and, and all those guys like that. That banter is going to be awesome. I'm actually really looking forward to that. Yeah, it's definitely something we can learn from other sports as well. I think we've over the years we've become a little bit um, politically correct with making sure drivers don't say anything bad about each other and we, we've really tailored it down to try and get it, that PG rating for the kids and stuff like that. But we've also lost an element to our sport where um, obviously with a couple of the other podcasts that most sport podcasts being run by actual drivers now as well, that's brought a bit of that back. We're getting the real sort of the backstory that's not been edited by supercars media and stuff like that. Now we're getting the real stuff starting to trickle through into the, into the public eye again. And it, it is, it's building those little rivalries and stuff, which it, in the end of the day, that's what fans go to see as well. They don't just go to watch fast cars go around the track. Like, you know, you can pour money into any sport and make the cars go faster, but they want to see the rivalries between each of the, each of the um, different drivers and stuff like that. And it, it really builds um, a, a good sport outcome in the end of the day and it's, it's something we can take yeah. into this e-series as well hopefully they actually play it up a bit more i did like what chazzy put up with his list of uh things to do and needs to do yeah and one of the one of the things on the list is take out cam waters <laughs> <laughs> just for context chris they yeah. are old, old teammates who were notorious for finding each other on a racetrack and uh crashing cars and <laughs> now in separate teams and still carrying on the jokes so. <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah. But if that happens, my God, I'm going to lose my shit. It'll be so funny. <laughs> Just flashback to Tim Edwards sitting sitting there shaking his head, which was the old team manager. <laughs> I had to deal 100%. with both of these kids <laughs> taking each other out constantly. <laughs> but, yeah, there there is a lot of elements there, and I agree 100% with what you're talking about there with the UFC and stuff like that. That's something they really capitalized on over the years is getting that that rivalry really built up that, and people that want to watch that. Mm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's all about that content. It's all about the media. And that's that's why some teams like FaZe Clan, you know, they're an esports team, but they're kind of almost not really. They're more lifestyle. Like Offset, who is uh, Cardi B's husband, is is one of their investors. Um, and they're more about lifestyle than they are about gaming. You know, they've got a ten they've got two ten bedroom mansions in LA next to each other, or two twenties. either way, they're two huge mansions in LA next to each <laughs> other. Um, and you know, all the guys are, are you know, wearing Gucci and Versace and, you know, flashing their Lambos and things like that too. Like that's, and they came up playing games, but they're not really about that a lot of the time now. A lot of it's just about that lifestyle and what they do. And it's showing about how gaming is like a culture. And like to add add weight to what I said before is, you know, most brands come to us and it's also in our business name saying, hey, Chris, we want to do esports. What they really often want to do is gaming and then under that really what they want to do is um, reach Gen Z millennials and gaming is just the interface. It's just the way to talk to them. So even my mates who, you know, I used to play semi-pro with or top level with, you know, we all hang out in this one Discord server together and even the ones I live in the same state with, we don't really catch up much in person at all, maybe once a year, maybe twice, maybe three if we're lucky, but we talk all the time through the Discord and we play games together. And that's the way that we interact with each other. And it's the same with kids these days. There was a good article um, or some thoughts that was released by Andrew Condon from from Gemba, who they're an agency that works with supercars, saying that, you know, Fortnite is the new skate park. Like his kids will hang out in Fortnite just in the lobby just to talk to each other. Yeah. And, you there know, you I'm, you know, I'm 20, 28. I'm the ripe age of going to the pub every night to meet my mates, <laughs> like the old Aussie tradition. But yep. no, I don't want to do that at all. I'd rather stay home. I'd rather be with my dog and I'd rather, you know, spend time with my mates, but I can do it in Discord and Dota too because then we can yeah, also actively be doing pubs. something together. Yeah, before they shut all the pubs, yeah, of course. Before they yeah. shut all the pubs. Yeah, and now I'm just in my perfect element. You know, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I know. stay inside. Like, oof, this is – I can just imagine if I was in year 11 again, like right now, man, I would be having a field day. This would be the best ever. I could be like, well, I do this anyway. I'm already skipping school to play video games, <laughs> which is a terrible That's habit. That's what I was saying to – um. <laughs> The other guy that's normally on our show who um, is currently working, I said, mate, we're, we're built for this. I think in the last two weeks, we've got, you know, 40, 50 hours on Steam again. We're like, oh, mate, we can't do that again. Like before yeah. this Corona thing, we had to work and, you know, we were going out. Exactly. I think at the moment, Steam's having the most number of consecutive users 
um, at the moment, they cracked like 20 million users in a day over. Yeah, it was something like 22 record. mil, like their all-time peak. And, you know, mm. Twitch has seen, Twitch, Twitch, I think, has a 10% increase in viewership, which is massive for such an established thing to go up two digits. Um, <clears throat> you know, Facebook, sorry, YouTube gaming had a 15% increase. Um, you know, these news websites, some of my friends run as well, they're seeing like 30 to 50% increase, but they are obviously seeing a drop in ad revenue as part of that too. You know, one of the news um, websites or, or owners, Gamers Group, who own a couple, they own an esports website, Dot Esports, they own a gaming website, GamePer, which is primarily European focused. You know, they're seeing a 40% increase in, in readership from what I remember, but a 20 to 30% drop in ad revenue. So, or, or up to a 40% drop is mm. what they're forecasting in ad revenue. So it's kind of evening out a bit, but part of the way I see it is buy the dip, um, just like investing. You know, if you double down on content right now, you get some new fans. And if you're a streamer and, and the fans can't afford to purchase your merchandise or support you right now, let's say you do a 50% increase. If 50% of those people leave afterwards, but you've gained a 25% increase because all these people have said, hey, this person provided me with some awesome fun like during the corona time, you know, now I'm going back to work. Well, I'm going to start watching this person a bit more. I'm going to change my habits. I think part of the interesting thing in some content I did last night with a guy who has a very influencer-based uh, virtual reality platform, um, a company called Live, was saying he he wants to know is are these people who are already into this industry that are just doing it more now? Um, for example, are these people who would normally watch four hours of Twitch per week anyway, but now because they're <laughs> at home, they're doing 16, so they're not really a new fan? Mm-hmm. Or yeah, are yeah. these completely new people who have said, hey, I've never really played games before, but now like, I may as well go and play some games. How, um, how do you or, measure that? Because I think that'll be a really important question for going, did this E-Series thing work You know, yeah. after the fact? Unique, unique viewership versus total viewership, I guess. And it's hard because people don't release like their numbers. Like the numbers I've said before is just like concurrent players on Steam, but how many accounts do they have as a whole? And what is their normal monthly active users? Like what's the increase in, in MAU or DAU compared to what they have right now? I don't have that data. Um, you know, Twitch has definitely seen that increase, but once again, like what's the what's the monthly active users difference, the daily active users, the time spent on site? Like what's the difference between that? All I've seen is the numbers around have gone up. But, you know, I know that I've been watching more youtube videos now that i'm home because it's easy to do on my lunch break i know that i've been playing more yeah i know that i've been playing more hours of games <laughs> because i don't have a commute time so now i can justify two games of dota a day instead of one every day or one every two days and things like that too so similar to what you were saying before michael like my play time has gone up but i've been a gamer for mm-hmm. years anyway so it doesn't really mean much yeah. more the game doesn't cost anything more for me to play more it's just you know me being playing the game a little bit more so just try being unemployed. You have heaps of time. Tons. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. I remember being unemployed and, and um, yeah, playing way too many games. And after a while, just going, "What's the what's the point? <laughs> this is crazy." And then you yeah. made it your business, man. That's that's, that's yeah. the best point. Yeah, that's very true. That's Do very what true. you love. Well. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Do well, what you love. Thank you. Very, it, what say. <laughs> thank you very much for coming on the show. Um, right. It's very insightful. Um, best of luck for everything that you've got, you know, in the future. I hope that this dip, I hope most what fans do come over to esports and sort of stick around. Mm. And I kind of hope that our esports will bring some more fans into motorsport and it works both ways. Um, yeah, appreciate yeah, think, your time greatly. Yeah, I think an important thing to remember for everyone is that like gaming and esports isn't isn't a replacement, it's an addition. And everyone mm-hmm. I've talked to who does motorsport, like sim racing, they've all said the same thing as well. They've said for some people it replaces karting, which can be a $100,000 a year experience. Like the average Joe, like part of what they said is now the F1, now that they're using sim drivers to test cars as well as to entries into like the Formula 2 and 3 or into the 1 as, as a pathway, how wider now is the pool of drivers of availability? Mm. Because you don't have to then have the capital to be a carter. You don't have to have the the contacts to have a rich, you know, friend or an uncle or family member who can fund you through like that whole process. You don't have to have a parent with enough free time to always be taking you to the track and with a SUV that's got a big enough engine to tow the trailer that your car is on. You know, you can't you can't tow a, a race car with Suzuki Swift. It's impossible. So, you know, all yeah. that all that kind of stuff too. So now it's providing such better pathway and more entertainment and more consumption. Like you were saying before, Hannah, like 
you know, you, you're so used to being that sparse content. And that's what I hate about drag racing because I feel like it barely ever happens. I feel like for me, every year I go, yeah, this is the season I'm going to go watch some more drag racing. I haven't been in years. And then I blink <laughs> and then it's all over. And, yeah. you know, there's there's like one at Calder like every, feels like every six months. You know, there's one out in Portland like every six months, et cetera, et cetera, like at local tracks here. And it becomes really hard. But with esports, like if you used a platform called juked.gg, which is like an aggregator for streams, man, every weekend there's like eight world-class tournaments happening in different games. So whether you're a fan of a specific game, whether you're a fan of esports as a whole, there's just always so much stuff going on. It's hmm, cool. Cool. Yeah. Well. <laughs> once again um thank you for that um yeah really do appreciate you coming on um appreciate your time um and yeah to everyone else listening you know just go check it out let's go check out some esports and specifically make sure you go check out chris's podcast big esports podcast yes. yeah <laughs> actually awesome content on there. It, yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I got the boys you to plug, to it, it, plug it away 100 yeah. percent um chris is also a fiend on linkedin so definitely reach out to him there that's how we managed to get connected so um, he's putting out a ton of awesome content. If you like motorsports or esports or gaming, he's across everything. It's pretty impressive. So get connected, get involved. Thank you, Chris, for your time. Really appreciate it. No worries. Happy to be here. Thanks for the insight, mate. Cool. Excellent. Cheers. Cool. cool. All right, let's and, head off. Um, yeah, everyone listening, thank you very much for listening to us. If you do like it, you know, like it, share it, send it around. And um, if you want to write in, hit us up on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash breaking late. We're on Instagram and you can send us our email, which is breakinglet8gmail.com. And we'll see you guys probably after some esports. Catch you later. <laughs> Catch you. Bye. See ya. Cheers, Chris.